first of all, I want to let you know that you are not alone. So many hands went up here in person when I asked if you've ever doubted God. And so you are not alone. And all throughout the Bible, time after time, we see incredible men and women of God who have moments of doubt. And so you are not alone. So there's actually three different types of doubt you can struggle with. So I want, just want to walk through those this morning for you so you can kind of figure out maybe where you've doubted God. And so the first one is doubt as a skeptic. And so this is actually where you truly believe there is no God. You absolutely believe there is no God. And so if that's you this morning, I, I would say to you, what if? What if there really is a God who does what he says he will do? What if there really is a God who has such radical love for you that he would send his only son to die for you? What if? And so would you really lose out if you gave him a shot? And that's, that's one kind of doubt we can have. Another kind of doubt we can have is from unanswered questions. And so you may have doubt from unanswered questions. There may just be some difficult questions about your faith you've been struggling with and you haven't been able to get answered. And so because of that, you are not able to fully submit to the sovereignty of God in your life. And so you have some doubt because these questions are not answered. Another kind of doubt we can have is doubt from a difficult situation. And so we're in the middle of a difficult situation, and it's just surrounding us, right, swallowing us up, and we can just get our eyes taken off God, right? We can take our eyes off God and put him on our circumstances, and we can just begin to doubt that God is even with us. And so there's a number of different kinds of doubt you may be experiencing, but no matter what it is, what you're struggling with, we're going to answer today, what do I do with that? What do I do with that doubt? And how can I even share my faith if I'm struggling with my own doubt? And so we're going to talk about some things we can do. And the first one is that when in doubt, work it out. Yeah, when in doubt, work it out. If there's one point from my message you're going to remember today, it's that one. When in doubt, work it out, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got to work out our doubt. It talks about this in Scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. And so we're going to work it out. We're going to work it out with fear and trembling. And the fear it talks about in this passage is not being afraid. It's actually having a reverence and an awe and a respect for God. And so we're going to work out our doubt with God with a reverence, with a respect for him. And it also talks about working it out with trembling, right? And so this trembling in this passage actually is a reference to weakness. And many times in scripture, it talks about weakness. And one of the things that we know and, and comes straight from scripture, it says, when we are weak, then he is strong. 
And so although you may think weakness is a bad thing, it's actually a really good thing for those of us who are following Christ because it's that weakness then that pushes us towards God, that makes us have more dependence on God, that causes us to have to have more reliance on him because we're weak and we need reinforcement. We need help, right? And so we want that weakness actually, and, and it's that trembling, you know, that, that pushes us towards God. I know in your physical body, if, if you want to get stronger, what do you do? You lift weights, right? You work out, you go to the gym, and you pump some iron, right? And so I realized a number of years ago that I was, I was pretty weak. I was having some trouble opening jars, you know, when I was cooking in the kitchen or lifting things up. And thankfully, I don't really have to worry too much about it because I have four really awesome, strong guys around me in my home at all times. So I've got my awesome hubby who uh, last time I spoke, talked, I talked about his bulging biceps. So I'm pretty set with that. And then I've got a couple of teenage boys who is one of their main goals in life is to bulk up, right? So... I'm really awesome. And then I got an 11-year-old who, you know, thinks he's the bomb as well. So I've always got muscles around me. I, sh I hardly lift a thing in my house. I don't have to carry a big, heavy things. I don't have to move furniture. I'm set, right? But I don't want to be weak. I didn't want to be weak. And so I decided to go to the gym and start lifting weights and, and pumping that iron and working it out, right? Because I wanted to be able to open that jar on my own if I was cooking and they weren't around. I wanted to be able to open that jar. Our jar of spaghetti and salsa are the hardest jars to open for some reason. But when I could get one of them open, I'm like, oh, yeah. So, I mean, I wanted some muscles. I wanted to be strong. And so when you're lifting weights, if you know this, if you go to the gym and, and you lift, you know this. But when you're lifting weights you can get to the place of muscle failure. And so that's when you're lifting your max weight and you get to the point where you literally can't lift it anymore and all of a sudden your muscle just starts shaking because you cannot even lift it anymore. That is muscle failure. That is the moment you have hit your max weakness. Like that's it. You have nothing left in that muscle. And that's what I'm talking about, that trembling, that place to where we get to that point of we literally can't go any farther. We literally can't take another step. We literally cannot believe in this moment that God is going to work this out for us. That moment of trembling, that's what then drives us to God. That's what then pushes us to dependence on him. And that's a good thing. That means you're working it out. You're coming to the end of yourself, and you are running to God. That is a good thing. And so you have to say to God, you have to take this to God to work it out. God, I'm just having some doubts. I'm just struggling, God. I just, this just doesn't make sense to me. I need you. And so when we doubt, we take it to God, straight to God, and we work it out with him, and we allow that to increase our dependence on him. Because we don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know everything 
because we serve a God who does know everything. We serve a God who is in control. And so we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to know it all, and we don't have to have all the answers to even share our faith. It's actually in those moments where you share authentically that that actually draws people to God. No one wants fake. No one, no one wants you to be pretending that everything's okay when it's not. People are looking for the real thing. So when you share about your faith, when you share with your friends and your family around you who don't yet know God and who you're trying to, to draw to God, so when you share with them, you share authentically and you say, listen, I'm struggling I'm questioning some things right now. I don't have the answers. I don't know myself, but, but that's okay because when I do, when I do question and when I do have doubts, I take it straight to God and I say, God, help me. God, I need you to reveal to me. I need you to show to me, show to me what I am to do. That is sharing your faith. That is defending your faith. That is the moment that you can draw people to God yourself in your moment of doubt. Because you're sharing the truth of who God is. You're sharing that, that you're not sure, but, but you're taking your doubt to God, and through that moment, you are strengthened. Because doubt is real. It is real. And let's not pretend that we haven't experienced it. There's a man in scripture, actually one of Jesus' disciples, and his name was Thomas. And actually he has gotten the nickname of Doubting Thomas. And so you can imagine what his struggle was and what, what he faced in life, right? He struggled with doubt, and, and there was no denying it. And so after Jesus, after Jesus had risen from the dead, he had appeared to his disciples and just over periods of time, he would appear to his disciples and just confirming his resurrection right there in scripture. And the reason we believe scripture is because there was eyewitnesses to all these things that happened to his death, to his resurrection. And then again, now he is giving eyewitnesses proof that he was actually alive on the earth after that. And so he had shown himself to a number of people, his disciples, some other people, and, um, but Thomas had not yet seen him, right? And so let's see what it says in scripture, starting in John chapter 20 in verse 24, it says, now Thomas, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Hey, listen, Thomas, guess what? We've seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. One of Jesus' disciples. If I don't see that, I'm not going to believe. Have you ever said anything like that? If I can't see it, I'm not going to believe it. I mean, there's no way that could happen. There's no way God can do that. Has that ever come out of your mouth? Well, look at how Jesus helps Thomas with his doubts. John chapter 20, now in 20, verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. 
Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it to my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord, my God. And then Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And so Jesus, Jesus goes right to Thomas. Notice in the passage, he came in the room and says, peace be with you. So he recognizes everyone. And then he goes straight to Thomas. He says, Thomas, look right here. I'm going to help you in your moment of doubt. I am going to help you have belief and faith in this moment that I am here. He ministers right to Thomas. And so what I want to say to you today is Jesus is here, right here, ministering to you today. In your doubt, right where you are, whatever it is you're doubting, Jesus is here today, and he wants to show you his hands. Another thing that we need to do when we doubt is we need to remember what God has already done. When we are doubting who God is or what he has done, There is no better way to build our faith than to look back at what he has already done. He has done some amazing things in your life. And sometimes you just need to stop and remember and look back at what he's already done. Because you are doubting what he's going to do and you need to look back and go, He's already done so much. He is still here with me now. As I was looking through scripture for a passage for this point of my message, I, I came across a passage out of Psalm, and it's, it's actually a, a man that I had not really paid much attention to in scripture before. His name is Asaph, and so he was actually one of David's choir directors, So kind of low man on the totem pole. We we don't really know much about him, but we know he's one of David's choir directors. And as you read this chapter, so it's a full chapter of Asaph, and he's the beginning of the chapter, he is just in absolute distress. You can tell this guy is just struggling. He is crying out. He says in, in the passage, he says, listen, I'm too distressed to even pray. I he's talking about how upset he is and and He's wondering if God is even still with him. He is just really having a tough time. Then, all of a sudden, he remembers. He looks back on what God has done and watch what happens. Picking this up in in verse 10 out of Psalm chapter 77, he says, Then I thought, to this I will appeal, The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all of your works and meditate on all of your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. What what a change. 
He's talking about his absolute distress and wondering if God is even there. And then all of a sudden, he takes a moment to remember, wait a minute, God is amazing. He did all these miracles in the past, and I know he can do them again. And so now, all of a sudden, Asaph is able to overcome his doubt. He was able to shift his focus from his circumstance to God and to who God is and to all that he had already done, and his faith was then strengthened. What an incredible example of this. You might still be saying to yourself this morning, well, I just, I just don't know. I'm just really struggling right now. I'm just really struggling right now, so I, I just don't know. And you might say that you can probably even relate to him saying he's even too distressed to pray. You might be feeling that. So I want to tell you this morning, I understand I understand that absolute feeling of distress and feeling like you're drowning. I was there a number of years ago, probably it was about four years ago. I hit a very difficult season in my life. I knew that God wanted to work some things in me personally, and I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I knew I couldn't continue in life the way that I was living. I had so much hurt and pain bottled up inside of me that I had not dealt with. And God was revealing to me that if I truly wanted to live out the life he called me to, I had, I had to do some difficult work personally, digging up the, the pain and, and the hurts that were stuck inside of me. And so um, a whole entire year was akin to that. And it took me um, a whole entire year with a professional counselor every week to dig through and work through that pain. It was some of the darkest days of my life. And honestly, when I started, um, I was somewhat hopeful and I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to make it through this. And then Shortly after I had begun, maybe a few months in, I just fell into this deep, dark place of utter depression. And I wondered how I was going to get through that. And so I actually needed help. I actually needed some medication to make it through that. Because I knew that God had promised me if I just pushed through that, if I just dug deep and didn't give up, there was going to be such hope in life on the other side. But I needed help. And so I needed some depression medication. And so I did that, and I dug through, and I worked through that. And it was a time of feeling utter hopelessness for me and just despair. But... But God was with me through the whole entire thing. And now, the last, the last year, there's been some major challenges come up in my life again. And let me tell you, if I hadn't gone through what I went through, I wouldn't have been able to even handle the challenges that I had been through this past year. But because of that, I was able to look back 
through these challenges and I was able to say, look, look what God brought me through. Look what God did in my life. I know that he's going to be with me through this too. And so because of, because of the medication, I was able to make it through. And an interesting thing, um, I think it was like last year sometime. So this has been sitting in my medicine cabinet ever since. And so thankfully, a year after I went through that process, I was able to wean off medication thanks to uh, my medical doctor's help and my counselor's help. I was able to wean off. And so um, I weaned off the medication, but this has just been sitting in my medicine cabinet ever since. And last year, I stopped one day when I was getting ready, and I thought, why haven't I thrown that away? Why, why is it still sitting there? And honestly, there's actually still some medication in there because I weaned off the medication and didn't need it anymore. And so I stopped and asked myself one day, why do I still have that sitting there? And honestly, it's one of the same reasons that I have journals because when I look at that, it is a reminder of, to me of what I've been through, what God has brought me through. And it's a reminder that he never left me. He never forsake me. And I made it through, and I am stronger than I was. And that's the same reason that I keep journals. And if you are in your Christian walk and you've never done that before, I highly recommend that you write down and you journal what God is speaking to you, what he is doing in your life. And so I actually soap, I do our soap Bible study method, and so I do actually journal every day. Mainly, it's a lot of scripture, but what I do write at the end, there's a P, right? A P means prayer in the soap guide. And so I write down my prayer and what God is doing in my life and what God showed me in that scripture for me. I write that down. And so actually now, once a year, I take out all of my old journals and I read through them again. And I remember what God did in my life. I remember where I was and what was happening and that I was in the midst of a struggle that I didn't think I was going to make it through, but how God worked it out and how God rescued me. So maybe, maybe you need to just stop right now and maybe you need to remember. You need to remember. Do you remember that time when you were facing sickness and illness in your body, but God touched you and healed you? Do you remember that time when you suddenly lost your job, but God opened a door for you in another direction? Do you remember that time that you weren't sure if you were going to make payroll for your company, but God came through at just the right time? Do you remember how you longed and were desperate for a child of your own, but you weren't sure if it was going to happen, and now you're holding them on your lap? Do you remember? Don't keep what God has done in your life a secret. What a better way to defend your faith than to say, look what God has done for me. That is a powerful way to defend your faith. But you might be saying this morning, well, you know, that's, that's great for you. That's awesome for you, you know. You were able to get off the medication and God has brought you out, but I'm still on medication. Well, that's great for them, but I still don't have a job. Well, that's great for them, but I had to close my company down. Well, that's great for them, but I still don't have a child. 
I want to tell you this morning that before you doubt what God can do, remember what he has done. And just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean he won't. And remember what he's done and let that allow your faith to rise up in you for hope for the future. Remember what God has done. The third thing when we doubt is that the object of our faith matters most. To overcome doubt, it's not our faith, but the object of it that matters most. You can have faith in a faulty airplane, but it's still going to crash even though you have great faith in it. It's not the object of our faith. And when we put our faith in something other than God, we're going to be left disappointed. So the object of our faith should never be people, our job, our, our money, the government, our situation. It should never be in those things because those things will never truly fulfill us. They're going to leave us feeling empty and disappointed. Putting our faith in those things will eventually lead us to say things like, well, see, I knew it. I knew it wasn't going to work out. I knew they, they were going to let me down. I have plenty of money, but I'm still feeling anxious and, and just empty. If the object of our faith is things and people and circumstances, they're going to let us down at some point. But when God is the object of our faith, a God who never fails, a God who never lies, a God who never leaves us or forsakes us, a God who always does what he says he's going to do and does more than we can ever ask, imagine, or think, that is when we can overcome doubt. That is where we find what our heart is truly longing for. There's a man in Scripture named Joseph, and you may have heard his story before. You may have read it in the Bible. I'm going to give you just kind of a brief overview of it, just in case you've never heard this story before. But I highly recommend you read it in the book of Genesis, starting in chapter 36. It talks, starts talking about his life, and it's literally about 15, 16 chapters, and his life is interweaved in that. And so it's a long story, but I'm just going to give you some background on it, because this this man had every reason to doubt. And Joseph is the 11th son of 12 sons of Jacob and Rachel. And so Jacob was his father, and he loved Joseph dearly, so dearly. In fact, you can see in Scripture that he actually favorited Joseph over all his other brothers, and he even gave him this coat of many colors. And so Joseph wore that, and um, it was just kind of a reminder to his brothers how much their dad loved him more than them. And so Joseph also was receiving dreams from the Lord. The Lord would give him dreams in the night, just incredible dreams about his future and his purpose and his plan. And, and Joseph would share those with, with all of his brothers. And even though they weren't necessarily intended for his brothers to hear, so all of those things combined together the favoritism of his father and then these dreams that God would give him. And this kind of rubbed his brothers the wrong way. They were just 
really irritated about it. And so they actually came up with this plan. They staged his death. They threw him in a pit. Then they ended up selling him into slavery, into Egypt. And so he's taken off to Egypt, and he's a slave in the land of Egypt. He ends up working in Pharaoh's home, in his personal home, and kind of works his way up because of his faithfulness and his good his good work ethic. And so, it, and then Pharaoh's wife ends up accusing him of rape. He gets thrown in jail. He's innocent, but gets thrown in jail. He's left in jail for like many years. And so all of these things, right? He's facing all of these things, right? Incredible, insurmountable odds. And so if anyone had any reason to doubt, it was Joseph. And I, I can imagine where Joseph's heart was going, God, God, you put these dreams in my heart. You put them there. I, you showed me your plans for my life. You showed me what my future was, and this is not it. So God, when? When is it going to happen? God, where are you? I can imagine that he maybe was crying out to God and in his doubt and, and just wondering, when is this going to happen? Because nothing was going his way. So he experienced abuse from his own family, neglect, abandonment, human trafficking, betrayal. He was forgotten. And so his family, the government, the system around him, everything failed him. Everything let him down. Does it sound familiar? Have you faced any of those things? So why is Joseph okay? Why didn't Joseph give up? Because the object of his faith wasn't in those things. It was God. And so fast forward. 20 years later, Joseph had been in jail for almost 20 years. So 20 years later now, he is finally in this position of power that God had given him dreams about. God had given him dreams about being over the land and ruling over the land. And so now here he is ruling over the land and his brothers have to come to him for help, which is a fulfillment of one of the dreams. And so listen to what Joseph is able to tell his brothers when they come to him for help. In chapter 50, verse 20, says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And so the object of Joseph's faith was God. So he could say that. He could say, you meant harm, but God. But God put a dream in his heart, but God never left him or abandoned him, but God made a way where there seemed to be no way. Joseph was stuck in a dungeon for almost 20 years, but God was working behind the scenes. And so if there was ever a time that shows the strength of your faith, it's when you doubt, but you choose to step out in faith and still say, but God, and then you can overcome. That's a testimony. That builds faith. That shows your God is real. So how do you defend 
your faith. You share about how you doubted. You shared about how you struggled. You share about what you've been through, but how God was all that you need and how God never disappointed you and never left you. Doubt reminds us that we need our Savior, and it should push us straight towards him, and it should also help us to push others towards him as well, where we share our faith, and we share what we experienced in our life, and we tell those around us, we say, listen, I was lost, but God found me. I was broken, but God put me back together. I was sick, but God touched and healed my body. I get overcome with anxiety, but God gives me a peace that passes all understanding. I am sinking in depression, but God reaches out his hand to rescue me. But God, I have been stuck in a, my own dungeon for years, but God frees me, sets me free, and rescues me. That is defending your faith. And so if you need to overcome your doubt this morning, I want you to stand to your feet in this place. Stand to your feet in this place as we pray. We're going to close in prayer right now. And I would say every single one of us should be on our feet because we all need God. This should push all of us towards our Savior. And so let's just raise our hands up and just pray this morning. God, we look to you. We turn to you right now in this moment. And we say, but God. So no matter what we walked in here with, no matter what kind of doubt we carried with us in today, God, we know that you are a God who does what he says he can do. And we know that we can turn to you to overcome our doubt. God, we step out in faith and we turn to you. We run to you in this moment. And we say, but God. And so we might be lost. We might be overcome with doubt. We might be riddled with anxiety or depression or sick in our bodies, God. But we look to you and we say, but God, with you, you can overcome and you can heal us. You can restore us. And Father, that is our testimony. That is the defense of our faith, that you never leave us or forsake us, that you are who you say you are. You are a God who does not lie. And God, we choose you. We choose you over doubt today and we choose you and we will share you with those around us God we will not keep what you've done in our life a secret but God we will use that to draw others to you God and as we overcome our doubt we pray that you would help us to help others overcome their doubt as well as you God are the one and only God and we look to you in Jesus name amen